Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women of all ages and all stages of menopause. And it's become a phenomenon. I hear that a bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony is by Happy Mammoth, the company dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients like herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to stressors, including hormonal changes that naturally occur throughout a woman's lifetime. They can help alleviate hot flashes, night sweats, and that feeling of being tired all the time. The biggest benefit, feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in the more than 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code DATINGWALLGRAY at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code DATINGWALLGRAY for 15% off today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Whether we found the one or are still searching, romantic relationships can be stressful sometimes. And I've learned that when I keep my emotions bottled up, it starts to affect me negatively. I know that therapy is a safe space to get things off my chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing me down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, how about giving better help a try? It's entirely online, so it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire so you can get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DatingWhileGray today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DatingWhileGray. I'm Laura Stasi, and this is Dating While Gray, the grown-up's guide to love, sex, and relationships. Sex. You knew it was coming. I hope I haven't kept you waiting too long. Sex is important in a relationship. Even at this age, I'm finding out. You yes, know, it is. Um, Being alluring for each other. This episode, Sex Talk. I have a working knowledge of how aging might affect a woman's sexual health. But a man's, it's kind of a mystery to me, and I'm curious. So when I heard about a sex and aging conference featuring two distinguished doctors, one male, one female, I signed up. Yes, I am the kind of person who thinks a conference about sex and aging on a Saturday, why not? After all, both aging and sex are relevant to me. I assumed I'd learn about sexual health and aging for both men and women. But when we got to the part of the program featuring the two doctors, all the men were directed to get up from their seats and walk out of the room and down the hall into another room where they'd hear the male doctor talk. And all the women? We were directed to stay in our seats in the room the men were leaving to listen to the female doctor talk. It was sixth grade sex ed all over again. The conference director told me later the program was designed this way so all of us would feel comfortable asking personal questions. But that meant there was no mutual sharing of information. It seems to me this was a big missed opportunity. We don't understand, until we're aging, how aging affects our sexual health. And the only knowledge I have about sexual health and aging is what's happening to me. Anything else, we have to seek out the information for ourselves. And there's a lot of stuff out there that may scare you out of having sex. You worry that it's going to hurt or you're not going to be able to perform. 
even if all of us knew everything there is to know about sexual health, we still need clarity and comfort about what our expectations are, what we like, what we don't like, what scares us, what we're willing to try. It seems to me a lack of communication is the biggest reason why something I want to think of as fun and pleasurable and fulfilling may wind up being complicated and disappointing, maybe even devastating. You know, one of the best parts of making this podcast is that I get to explore a topic I might be otherwise too embarrassed to bring up, and I want to share with you what I've learned, and no one needs to leave the room. We're starting with Sandy. Sandy grew up believing you don't have sex until you get married. And in fact, she didn't have sex until she met the man who became her husband. They got married young and stayed married for more than 25 years. But she was devastated to learn that he was having an affair and he refused to stop seeing this other woman. So Sandy felt like she had no choice but to end the marriage. Sandy agreed to talk with me about her views on sex and intimacy. We were monog, or I was monogamous. And that was important to me. That's what enriched our marriage and our relationship. I had no other experience. I'm a Christian, and I had a a really strong belief that I wanted that to be with my partner, my life partner. I didn't want to just give that away. For two years, I just was angry, and I knew I would be a horrible partner, date, anything. It's like I just wanted to work this out with myself and God and grow up and figure out how I was going to manage my life by myself. And then after that, I thought, well, I should at least go date. So I started online dating and, and it, you know, I met a lot of really nice men, but would know immediately, no. Nah. Before you had ever been married, you wanted to save sex for that special partner. Mm-hmm. Did you have the same attitude as a single woman but now past 50? Or were you even thinking about sex at this point? Yeah, that's funny. Um, I wasn't thinking about having sex, you know, when I first meet men. I'm thinking about, gosh, will I enjoy them? Do I like them? But then your friends introduced you to a gentleman. And can we give him a name just to... So we're not calling him Tom. Let's Tom. Tom. Let's call him Tom. Okay. So friends introduced you, or yes, and um, they they invited. It was really weird. They invited my family, some of you know, my sister, my sister in law, and a bunch of single women. Like it was (laughs) The Bachelor or something, and I just was so disgusted by that whole thing that I was like, I'm not even interested in talking to him. I I don't have a competitive bone in my body. Wait, 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 wait. So I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. Somebody becomes single, so family and friends throw him uh, like a dinner party and there's like all these potential people from whom he can choose. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was gross. (laughs) Fun for him. I was going to say he was the only single guy. Yeah, he he was late because he was buying roses for all of us. And I just thought, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it was The Bachelor. The Gray Bachelor. <laughs> 
you went out to this dinner, but you were like not competitive. So you kind of had a smirk on your face the whole time. I had no idea that like three other women eligible bachelorettes were going to be there. Oh, I thought it was going to be really casual. So you had dinner. You did go to the dinner and you got, apparently you got the rose. He did call me and ask me, you know, if I wanted to go out and, you know, watch a football game at a sports bar. I'm Mm. like, yeah, sure. You know, that'd be, that's safe territory. Yeah. So we went out and he was, you know, very nice. But he was separated. He was not. He was separated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I knew nothing was going to happen from my end in terms of intimacy. I mean, kissing. Yeah, sure. I want to see how he kisses, but I would never go any further because he was still married and he was fine with that. So, so you went out with it. So after this first date at the sports bar, there's a connection of some sort, but he tells you he's not officially divorced. Right. So you're thinking, well, I'll go out with you a few more times, but it's not going to be anything major until you get divorced or how did that? Well, I wasn't even thinking that far down the line uh, when he unloaded on me (laughs) and explained the whole scenario. I thought, yikes. At that point, I was curious. It had been, what, three years now that I've been divorced. Mm -hmm. And and I just, it was fun, you know, have a partner to go out go sightseeing with somebody to take you to dinner um mm-hmm. talk about your family yeah yeah and be courted yeah well, that was fun so i thought well no harm there did you ever have a conversation that hey I'm, you know i'm okay to kiss but we're not going to be more physically intimate because you are not available or how did that well that didn't really happen until we you know started to kiss more so we went out God, it was probably three or four dates mm-hmm. before, you know, it became like, like a kiss. Yeah. I mean, well, he kissed me briefly, but it wasn't, you know, it was very gentlemanly. I, mm-hmm. I don't even really remember how it all unfolded, but it was at a gentle pace. I remember thinking, gosh, you know, he's not very forward. And were you okay with that? Yeah, I was, but then it. You know, after a while, you know, <laughs> as I, come on, buddy, put yeah, out. <laughs> exactly. And at that point, I was like, golly, you know, we still weren't going to go any further until he got divorced. Yeah, we dated for gosh, it was four months, five months, oh, I wow. think, before we was and it that long? Yeah, so it was like, like dinners, that. sightseeing, just mm-hmm. yeah, like daty date things, but not like. Yeah. Heavy petting. Yeah. Ooh. How would you describe heavy petting? <laughs> Just so we're all on the same page. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember the old base. I wonder if yeah. people still talk about bases. Okay. Right. Third First, base, second. Third. Yeah. Third. Yeah. Ooh, it was third, kind of all that. Third base. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason at this point you're thinking it's not going to go farther is because he's legally not able no, to. No. Well, no, he was very open and upfront that he had had cancer mm. and that he wasn't sure if he would be able to get an erection again. And oh. that 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 was after about four weeks of dating. Um, Before any heavy petting or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, that's fine, you know, because I wasn't thinking it was 
going to last anyway. So it's kind of not safe, but I mean, it was kind of a nice right. excuse. Yeah, right. Like, so it allowed him and and then it explained to me why he wasn't more aggressive. But we talked a lot about it. The doctor was trying to give him some medication to help make an erection happen. I'm just thinking, poor guy, here he is going through mm. a divorce and cancer at the same time. Mm. So that's got to be really tough. And yeah. so you're thinking, okay, I'm interested in this guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to marry him, mm-hmm. but I am interested in having sex with this man. Correct. Because Correct. why not? Right. It, it was like, this is going to be fun. I'm just going to have fun. I, I deserve it. I haven't had sex in years and years, and I just want to, and it will make him realize he's still a man, you know, at yeah. that point. And we're, and we're friends, so. It was philanthropic. <laughs> <laughs> was there a plan ahead of time? Like, yes. as soon as this goes through, yep. clear out the backseat of your car. <laughs> no, he is much more a gentleman. Um, he picked a place that was really important to him in his life and made reservations. Was any part of you terrified? Not I mean, really. you haven't had sex with yeah. anybody but your ex-husband. Right, right. So no, yeah. you didn't think, you thought this is going to be easy or not. Yeah, or did you? I felt like I was really safe. He he is a wonderful human being. He was more scared because in order to have an erection, he had to stick needles in his penis and use a pump to pump it up. So I think he was way more scared than me. And did he explain everything that he was going to have to do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he wanted to make sure I was going to be on board with it all. Did you buy any like lingerie or anything? I did. I did. He actually thought I was sexy in it. My husband, I'll never forget on my, as a newlywed, I bought some lingerie and he laughed at me. Oh, I'm sorry. That's terrible. Yeah, I know. So how did you feel? Was it satisfying for you? It was. It was great. We just were very playful about the whole thing. You're from it's another body, it's somebody new. Yeah. Which is very exciting. And we have had such a good rapport in communicating that, you know, I it just felt um it felt really wonderful and fun. You know, it can be awkward talking about sex. I really appreciate Sandy's willingness to share about her second first time. Her story is a great example of how good communication leads to good sex. As anyone who's ever had sex knows, it easily could have gone the other way. Sandy and Tom aren't together anymore, but Sandy met someone new, and she's had a third first time. In fact, the relationship has gotten very serious. They're even talking marriage. quick break to remind you that listener support keeps the spark alive for this podcast. If you're ready to take our relationship to the next level, click the link in the show notes to become a member of WAMU and support Dating While Gray. When you make a gift at WAMU.org, be sure to leave a comment and let us know your favorite thing about the show so far. Thanks for your support. I think one of the most difficult parts of talking about sex is just figuring out what language to use. 
we're uncomfortable saying the clinical words for sex organs. And I'm part of the problem. I think even the term sex organ is a little icky. Maybe that's why we ended up with so many slang words, like my personal favorite, lady garden. But I understand if we're going to have an adult conversation about sex, there's nothing wrong with saying the actual words out loud. And I'm going first. Vagina. That's the word for the inside of the female sex organ. The word for the outside is vulva. And the transition area from vulva to vagina is vestibule. You know, I lived with an architect for almost 30 years. I never knew vestibule was a part of anything other than a building. But I know now because I read the Vagina Bible by Dr. Jen Gunter. She's an OBGYN and she specializes in women's pain. Dr. Jen, as she likes to be called, is also a leading advocate for communicating about women's sexual health. She says many women are desperate for reliable information, but sometimes not even healthcare providers do a good job of communicating. Many women suffer because they have their symptoms brushed off. So that hot flashes can't really be that bad or vaginal dryness isn't really that bad. And certainly those things can easily be treated. And uh, I shouldn't say easily um, because some women do have a hard time getting their hot flashes treated even with medical therapy. But therapy should be offered. The fact that it's not is, uh, is concerning that there's this kind of gap in communication. You know, if sex is very painful, then you might expect for many people that your libido would go down. There are some women who simply suffer in silence and, and continue to actually have the same libido because the trade-off is worth it. But the, um, the vaginal dryness, the lack of lubrication, those types of things can be treated um, sometimes with over-the-counter aids like lubricants. That can be enough for some women. Uh, vaginal moisturizers can be enough for some women, but many women also need medical therapy. There is a lot of benefit in, first of all, just getting a diagnosis. So I'm hearing about all kinds of things women are putting on or in their vaginas. So in in your vagina or on your vulva. Oh, yes. I'm that, sorry. Right? Very yeah. good. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Just yeah. got to be medically accurate there. Yes. Um, okay. How about olive oil? You know, the olive oil on your vulva is fine uh, if you want to use it as a sexual lubricant. Certainly people have done that. The um, one thing I would say that if you are needing to use latex condoms for sex, and I think that's a super important point not to miss, that you cannot use oil-based lubricants with a latex condom. Coconut oil. So exactly the same thing for coconut oil. A lot of my patients prefer it over olive oil because it smells a little bit different and it because it's clear, it's not likely going to, you know, it's going to leave a stain on your sheets. Mm -hmm. How about carrots? and other elongated vegetables. So I would not use any fruits or vegetables in your vagina for any reason. There can be mold or soil contaminants on vegetable matter. Uh, there are lots of wonderful vibrators for people to use for masturbation, and they even make vibrators in the shape of different vegetables, if that's your thing. Oh, so, you're kidding. Yeah, they do. I mean, I, you know, I've seen them online. If trying something that looks different appeals to you, then, then that's the way to do it. Why do you think there's so much uh, misinformation out there you know, women's sexual complaints are largely dismissed. That's all I do every day or listen to women with sexual complaints. So on one hand, I'm like, how is this happening? But I know it is because sometimes women come to me and it took 10 or 15 years or 20 years. So I, I know they're being dismissed. I hear their stories. I think it's dismissed partly because they're unstudied, partly because women's pain is minimized. And it's hard enough to talk about sex and talk about your body. So because society has imparted shame in that. I mean, it's hard for people to even say the word vagina in public. So 
where do you go if you can't say the word vagina and your doctor or the medical profession has made you feel like there's something wrong with your body? Women's bodies are seen as problematic. Women are seen as complaining. Do you think that perhaps a part of the problem might be women themselves as we reach a certain age simply don't think of ourselves as sexual beings anymore? Everybody gets to do what's right for them. People come to wanting sex, I think, for different reasons. You know, women can come to want sex because they have a because they have desire. They can come to want to have sex because they want physical closeness with their partner. They can come to sex because they want to have comfort. And then once you start to engage in kissing and cuddling, then desire kicks in. So some people may find their their sexual desire completely changes with age. And if they're not interested in sex, that's fine. Everybody gets to have the life that they want. But I also think that if there's been this weight on you that women are not sexual in their 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. you know, might that not change how we think about ourselves? I mean, I'm in my 50s and I I like to have sex. And uh, it's always interesting when I talk to reporters about that. Sometimes there's almost this gasp or this pause afterwards that it's such a radical thing to say. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your dating life. What is it like being an expert and dating? Are you dating only men who seem to understand the body or are you having to explain it to them? I'm a heterosexual, so I'm only dating men. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm only dating one person at this time, oh. but I did have, yeah, oh yeah, 10 months though online of online dating with a lot of, I would say, interesting conversations and uh, some experiences that, you know, were sad in many ways. Sad because of, could you give me an example? Oh, sure. Uh, I found that I think compared to other women my age, there was definitely a a very rapid progression to sexting. I think that many men misinterpreted the fact that I write about sex as meaning (laughs) that I want to have sex with them. Uh, What are you wearing? Take your clothes off. I'm like, what? This is like our sixth text. What are you even talking about? What is wrong with you? And, you know, that pressure we are all vulnerable. We want to be liked. And if you're out there dating in your 50s, you know, you're already fighting society's view that that your body has less worth. So it's very different to sext in a con- once you've got a consensual relationship. That's a different thing. Here you are. You're a doctor. <laughs> you've written a book called The Vagina Bible, and you still are coming across men who, I don't know, they're either not taking you seriously or they might think it's a, a challenge. There have been a couple of men who I think thought it was uh, would be cool to kind of say they had sex with me and move on. And it's a reflection of them, not on me. There are very many good men who, when they heard that I wrote the book, The Vagina Bible, and that I write about sex, were like, oh, interesting, and moved on. Mm-hmm. And then there were you know, men who started asking me very graphic questions about sex. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a fast fail. So they but weren't the, questions uh, that they were posing in order to become more knowledgeable? I don't think so they were they wanted to tell me that you know what i'd written about was incorrect oh, you know? based on their <laughs> like, expertise <laughs> yeah based on their they were gynosplaining to me oh, so that no. happened and and then of course came along a man who said well i should read your book first shouldn't i oh and how <laughs> did you respond to him i said yes here's a copy and uh he uh very insightful, who said, well, there are probably, there's probably lots of good information in there. And if I read between the lines, there might be information in there that speaks very specifically about you. And wow. I said, wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's why I'm dating him. So clearly, even though we're older, that doesn't mean we have to give up sex if we don't want to. Aging will lead to changes in our bodies that might make sex more uncomfortable or even painful. But there's a lot that can be done to address those issues. 
and two other things I learned. Unless you're an actual gynecologist, please, no gynosplaining. Also, elongated vegetables should stay in your refrigerator until you're ready to eat them. Not that I've been thinking of doing anything else with them. Not anymore. Dr. Jen wasn't the only doctor I called. I wanted to find out what happens to men's bodies, too. So I called in Dr. Arthur Burnett. He's a professor of urology at Johns Hopkins University. He's also an expert prostate cancer surgeon. And get this, he was part of the team that performed the world's first total penis and scrotum transplant. Dr. Burnett is also a scientist, and his original research helped lead to the development of Viagra. In case you didn't know, the little blue pill was the first medication to treat erectile dysfunction. And while I'm on a clinical role, I'll explain, ED is defined as the consistent inability to attain and maintain a penile erection for sexual performance. I asked Dr. Burnett to join me for a little game I'm calling Junk Science. I probably should note, Dr. Burnett did not sign off on the name. Are you ready to play? Answer true or false to four questions. Number one, losing the ability to have sex is a normal part of aging. I think that perhaps is one of the myths about sexual uh, dysfunction, Mm -hmm. that accepted as a part of aging. But no, men, as well as women, can be sexually functional for as long as they do live. Number two, if you're having trouble with your erection, you may need to see a doctor about your heart. Absolutely. We do know, know that as men get older, their cardiovascular health status may change, and that may have some impact on their erections. Number three, as men get older, the sex hormone testosterone declines dramatically. Testosterone levels do drift as men age, but not so dramatically as people perhaps had previously oh, thought. Yeah. There were earlier considerations that uniformly all men would just lose their testosterone as they age, almost like a male menopause. Many men, even in their 60s, 70s, and even 80s, may still have very normal testosterone levels. Number four, shockwave therapy for your penis is a thing. Yeah, so this is a phenomenon that's occurred here in the past few years uh, that has some scientific basis. Does it hurt? You can arrange settings uh, with a probe that can be brought to the penis, and it creates a little kind of a shock. The FDA has not approved it. Mm. I'm concerned that patients who wish to explore this clearly understand that this is not yet an approved therapy. How'd you do? And shockwave therapy? I don't know. If anyone has firsthand experience to report, I am curious. But actually, I hope no one does, because as Dr. Burnett said, it's not an approved therapy. So with our clinical lessons out of the way, let's move on to pleasure. That's very interesting. It looks very yeah, kind of Star Trek-y, this, too. You got to be careful. This thing might open your garage door. As yeah. Well. <laughs> Check out the Dating While Gray Facebook page. I share all kinds of things, studies, surveys, and stories that give me hope as I navigate love, sex, and relationships. And this week, I've got some behind-the-scenes photos. Log on to Facebook, search for Dating While Gray, and hit like. It seems like if you want to be physically healthy and emotionally healthy, you have to talk about pleasure. And that led me to Katherine Ellis. She's an occupational therapist and a certified sexuality counselor. She says each of us needs to know and then be able to communicate our personal definition of what's sexually pleasurable. 
Here's our conversation after I start complaining about my runner's knee. We have this full body. I mean, not everyone, right? But yeah. I mean, there are people that are amputees, but you, we have a fairly large surface area. Um, to <laughs> I know, right? Surface area. I love it. Yeah. I mean, we have a fairly large surface area to experience pleasure. I would first have a very detailed dialogue around how orgasms commonly occur, how pleasure is commonly experienced, and then sort of build on top of that the activities that you guys are going to do together. Not every sexual activity requires you to bend your knee in a way that is painful. We can think like, oh, well, I can't do this one thing, and so then I can't do anything, anything or everything. And I think sometimes people miss the point of like, well, how do I even orgasm? How do you orgasm? Does it require, and does it require me to bend my knee? <laughs> um, if it doesn't, great. I don't bend my knee. If it does, now we have a dialogue around how to modify that. I encourage that people don't apologize for their bodies. When we are body positive, we're viewing our bodies as vessels of pleasure. And so whether the knee hurts or perhaps like there's difficulty with maintaining an erection, it's sort of coming to the table in a confident way, knowing that you can be a very pleasing sexual partner with all the different parts of your body to this person. Like you have a lot to offer mm -hmm. sexually. When people are dating and, and younger people do this too, but thinking like I've got to get this right or there's a perfect way to do it. And so I need to be the perfect partner and the perfect partner is someone that just knows what, you know, a man wants in bed or what a woman wants in bed. Well, there's no dialogue in that. The confidence can get sort of wounded by this idea that I have to perform a certain way. And so a huge amount of what I do is confidence boosting. But, it, you know, it's not me just being like the cheerleader. It's kind of, it's me saying, you need to figure out a way to be your own cheerleader. So let's talk about that. A lot of times because of people's past experiences, they won't know that their desires are the ones that are important. We don't think of like, hey, what do I want? The statistics will say there are so many people, adults coupled, who have stopped having sex. I mean, why aren't people having sex? I don't think it's any one answer. I think there's a whole group of people, you know, as a sexuality enthusiast, <laughs> I am well aware that not everyone is. Right. And that it is not, you know, we as the occupational therapists, we're always looking at what is the meaningful activity. It is totally normal for sexuality and sexual expression and sexual activity to not be super meaningful for someone. Mm -hmm. There's many couples that have sex once a month. There's couples that have sex that don't have sex. Um, maybe have sex once or twice a year. Um, and they're really happy. On the other end of the spectrum, there's couples that, that don't. And they're really unhappy with that. Or at least one of them is. Yeah. I think why do people stop having sex is, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. You know, this idea of the body has changed. The flame of desire is best kept on simmer. You know, it's really hard for a cold pot to go to boiling. <laughs> it's a whole lot easier for a pot that is on simmer yeah. to go to boil. So it's like every day... Every single day, what are people doing to stoke their own desire and to stoke their partner's desire? For the person maybe that's single, like what are they doing to... Make sure their pot doesn't go cold. Absolutely. <laughs> what we're really getting at is fullness and, and satisfaction with the whole self. And the self is, there's also, you know, there's a sexual side 
um, to most people. So it's like feeding that. And for single people, is that building desire? Is it wearing a certain outfit? Is it wearing lipstick? Is it exercising? You know, how do people sort of feed their own desire Mm -hmm. completely by themselves? It's important for single people to do that. It's important for coupled people to do that. Mm -hmm. Everyone has responsibility for their desire. 90 to 95% of the time, I'm talking about the more like social, cognitive, emotional, you know, more physical aspects. And then some of the time I do recommend toys and products. I did a lecture at a occupational therapy hand clinic. Mm -hmm. And then the head of the hand clinic was like, I don't understand why you're here. We're a hand clinic. And I literally (laughs) was like, what are you using when you have sex? You're not using your hands? I don't, what are you doing with your hands, sir? (laughs) (laughs) So what is that? You've got it in your hand. It looks like a rattle. I'm sorry. Okay. So this is, um, it's a finger ring that also vibrates. Oh. And so this This is for all the hand clinics out there. (laughs) Um, People use their hand for hand jobs or perhaps fingering and touching the entire body. If someone maybe has like a hand deficit where they don't have the dexterity to do the small movements required for, you know, fingering or like a gross grasp around a penis for a hand job. Gross meaning. That's a technical term. Gross grasp is like the same way that you would grasp like a water bottle. Uh This vibrates and it can go, I always say like we can kind of get hung up on, you know, what's the toy for, but if it vibrates, put it anywhere, it'll feel good. Like as we get older, sometimes the, the vagina or the penis can kind of have a little bit of diminished sensation. So the idea is adding more stimulation. It looks like a rattle, but it's a ring and it doesn't matter what finger you put it on? Nope. It feels just good on my finger. <laughs> I like that. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Does it have different levels? That one does not. Okay. You know, if it vibrates, put it anywhere, it will feel good. There is one small caveat there. So for any sort of internal, um, anal stimulation, you have to have a stopper. Okay, I don't understand. External anal stimulation, mm-hmm. you can use any device. But internally, if it goes inside the anus, mm-hmm. it has to have a stopper so that it doesn't go all the way inside the anus. Oh, okay. Because that, that would be a health issue or it would get stuck there. So this is where I get to why it's so important to ask your partner, how do you normally experience pleasure? Because there's insides, outsides, there's vibration, there's light pressure, there's deep pressure, tapping, rubbing, circular motions. The toys, one thing I really like about toys is that they sort of force the dialogue. What area do you, you know, do you like this on? Or would you like to try it yeah, on? Yeah, or would you like I to try it on? Or, you know, and some people don't, some people don't want to use toys. So some of the internal devices would be traditionally like a dildo and they vibrate, some vibrate. Uh Um, This one. Oh my goodness. (laughs) This would be a dildo. What we have here is this internal spiral thing that adds like another, more sensation in the vaginal canal. Gotcha. I mean, no penis does this. And then the, the very tip of the penis kind of goes in a circular motion. Can that kill you? That, I mean, that sounds like... <laughs> oh, proceed with caution. <laughs> I mean, it is a fun area of the body, but yeah, I mean, any, any sex there are, you know, we have to be safe. Right, yes. With all sorts of sex. On this device, off the shaft, is another device that comes around and stimulates the clitoris. Oh. Yeah. 
That's very interesting. It looks very yeah. kind of Star Trek y, too. You got to be careful. This thing might open your garage door. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's this thing is powerful. Wow. Oh, yeah. You know, I always recommend lubrication for everyone, everywhere. Your belly button to your butthole and oh. knee to knee. Literally put that lubrication everywhere. For women, there can be pain with penetration. You know, lubrication really helps with that. Time, giving their bodies time to have the arousal process, sort of like preparing for penetration. An orgasm beforehand can really help relax the pelvic region. An orgasm before penetration. Yes. Okay. And how does that work? <laughs> well, <laughs> ideally, you and your partner have had that dialogue around uh, okay. how do you orgasm? You know, how do you experience pleasure? And so, you know, for 80% of women, it's clitorally. And so, you know, I not that every single time every partner has to have, both partners, you know, have to have orgasms, but yeah. that is certainly over time, you know, it's important to have equity there. You know, when you separate out the the orgasm like that, it can be a, a big focus on one partner's pleasure and then the same, like, focus on the other person's pleasure. So coming at the same time has always been a myth, it sounds like. It's an absolute myth. It's another thing I'm getting at Hollywood over. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, um, and it's really, like, it's really misleading. <laughs> it's also very difficult and a lot of work. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing amount of work and people are already under so much pressure to like keep the erection long enough for her to orgasm for the 15 to 25% of women that have penetrative orgasms. So we're not even talking about like, we're leaving out a whole other group of women and also the way that, that they orgasm. Um, and so, you know, separating out people's orgasms so that one partner can be fully receiving and the other partner can be fully giving, I think is so helpful. I don't know about you, but what Catherine says about separating out the orgasms one at a time makes so much sense to me. I'm not trying to be sexist here, but this seems like solid scientific proof that I get to go first. I hope you're feeling as confident as I am that good sex is an achievable goal. Anybody who wants to have sex is entitled to have good sex, no matter how old you are or who you choose to be intimate with. Dating While Gray is produced by Ponzi Rutch, Patrick Fort, Ruth Tam, Julia Karen, and me, Laura Stasi. Our theme music is by Daniel Peterschmidt and Mike Kidd mixes the show. WAMU's general manager is JJ Yore, and Andy McDaniel oversees everything we make here. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to datingwhilegray at wamu.org or follow us on Facebook. Search for Dating While Gray and like our Facebook page. Or you can see what I'm up to on Twitter, at Dating While Gray. And of course, leave us a voicemail, 202-895-GRAY, G-R-A-Y. Dating While Gray would not be possible without the support of WAMU's members. Make a gift now at wamu.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more stories of Dating While Gray. When you need 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.